Nathan's background is rich with experience in both digital marketing and CRM management, but more uniquely, he has the experience with both of these within the space of financial services. Nearly two and a half years serving as the chief operating MarTech officer. Yes, I just said MarTech, which stands for marketing technology. And this was a company focused in the, guess what? Financial services industry, annuity think tank, later to be known as Retirement Income Network. And more recently, he spent over two years as the director of one of Atlanta's largest RIAs, Signature FD. Nathan has experienced marketing and building a brand for a small company while instituting innovative and forward-thinking initiatives in large, established RAs while also having extreme foresight and the necessary skills or the help that is needed with regards to keeping up with the innovation happening in our industry. This is Bridging the Gap with your host, Matt Reiner. It's an awesome uh, opportunity to have Nathan part of Bridging the Gap. Thanks for joining us and uh, coming in to share some of the knowledge. I know we actually have a little bit of a history. Uh, We've sat across the table from each other a few times uh, when we were interviewing for a director of marketing job here at Wella. So it's good to see you, man. Good to have you back. Man, it's uh, it's great to be here, Matt. Thanks so much for for having me here and uh, really looking forward to to going back and forth and sitting across the table from you again in, in a little less stressful setting than, than an interview. <laughs> I wasn't that intimidating on that side. Yeah. I actually didn't know what the heck I was doing either during that time. I mean, that's what, three years, there's, there's a long, there's a lot of learning that goes on in that period of time. Yeah, and, and don't worry, I didn't know much of what I was doing either. <laughs> that side, so. uh, but you do know what you're doing. Uh, something that was interesting uh, when we were talking before the podcast Um you're, you you market for companies, you help companies grow, you help them have efficiencies, use technology to do it, but you also market for your dog as well with uh, with Instagram, really promote yeah, the dog. Yeah, and that's probably been my uh, biggest failure to date, so <laughs> that's something I, I own. I, I, uh, I do run my dog's Instagram account, at uh, Luke the Wonder Dog, for any of you uh, grammars out there. Um, he's only got a few followers. So, what, what type of dog is it? Uh, he is a Chihuahua toy poodle, okay. we think, but he looks every bit the terrier. <laughs> and what what's the lesson you've learned on why it's been so hard to get traction with uh, your dog followers? Mm, okay, well, so this, this applies to all social media all that, right. that you're trying to do. So this is a good business lesson for anyone listening. It's consistency and knowledge of your target audience. You've, you've just got to do it all the time. Yeah. Well, we talked about that. And I think we're going to talk about a lot of mm-hmm. that. And I think that's a great um, segue into kind of this conversation that we were having. And and the reason I think it's so valuable to have you here is this is a challenge that uh, you know I have or we've had before and that I hear when I talk with RAs all the time across the industry. And we talk with them a lot. We're fortunate uh, to... And they have trouble automating tasks. They all say they do it well, but when you look at it and how much time they're wasting, it's incredible. But then when they go out and market, they have such a difficult time of marketing. And we can see that in all the stats because all RAs are still growing by referrals. And so I think that helping them expand that is so important uh, in this environment that we're in that's become so competitive. So I think that that's really what I want to get into. And I think you just said it, uh, you know, the challenges that you've seen, right? I've seen it on my side. What are the challenges that you've seen that are facing uh, advisors when it comes to technology within their firms? 
Yeah, it's it's a three pronged thing that I see uh, most frequently. One is selection of the right technology. Um, advisors are their advisors. They're not technologists. They're not software specialists. Uh, so oftentimes they get sold on whichever one sounds correct from a selection standpoint. Then once you move past selection, you're into integration. How do I integrate various softwares with my current business processes and gain adoption through, you know, throughout my entire firm? Um, and kind of some of that goes back to step one, selection. Make sure we can get things that integrate together. And then get in a partner that can do the integration. And then the last is, is adoption. How do we get all the team members rowing in the right direction, using the platform as it's meant to be, understanding the quirks that maybe one thing doesn't quite talk to the other as it should. Mm -hmm. So this is the, the step that we have to take. Um, and, and those are probably the three biggest challenges I see with advisors trying to implement new technologies in their firms. So selection, integration, and adoption mm -hmm. are the three. And you know, I think that just sitting on this side, and this is, and I've been, and I try to sit in the, the the advisors that I talk with, their seats as well. And you start talking about technology, and you start talking about those three things: selection, integration, adoption. That seems like three huge new pieces on my task list that I have to worry about. That is going to become an is going to just always fall to the bottom because I'm always just focused on growing my business and and getting new clients and serving my clients and providing value. How do you make sure that those get done within a firm? Is it a job responsibility? Is it a you know? Do you go hire a marketing person? How do you get that done? Sure. It's a great question because inevitably that is what happens, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's people get focused on working in the business and don't spend as much time as they need working on the business. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's, it's like working out. It's like going to the gym. It's like eating healthy. You have to commit to it and spend time doing it. Uh, otherwise, you won't achieve any of, the, of those three. Um, and, and so really it becomes an institutional and cultural shift to improvement and spending time each day, each week, each month, each quarter, setting aside that time to, to really focus on these things and giving yourself realistic goals and around timeframes and then checking those off the list to move the needle. You know, I think that that's such an interesting um, point because if uh, I think so often – people put technology into their strategic plans, right? They say, hey, we need to, let's look at our portfolio management system or let's look at our CRM. They put it into their strategic plans for the next 12 months, but that's about it. That's the extent of it of saying, mm -hmm. let's just go adopt a new technology. As opposed to saying, your strategic plan should have technology tactical items of analyzing how you're using it, what are your processes, right? That is the strategic plan around technology as opposed to just saying, I'm going to go buy a technology. I think too many people feel that just buying the technology is going to solve the problem. And it's not in that case. Thought? Do you have any? Yeah, yeah I mean, technology I'm is... Sure you've it, seen, I'm sure, sure you've seen sure. it a it's, ton. It's, technology is a hammer. And this, this is, I, I hear it so often. I had a, I was speaking to an advisor the other day and... He said, "Hey, I said, what are you doing for your marketing? What, what are you What are you doing? Oh, we just we just bought HubSpot. Man, that's mm -hmm. great. What are you doing? Well, I mean, we we have it now, so our marketing is taken care of. HubSpot, any technology doesn't matter what it is. It's a hammer. It's a tool. It's a screwdriver. Mm -hmm. Right? It's not going to build a house for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Still need plans and actions and laborers and all of those types of things to get the house built. But you do have a nice tool. Yeah, and I think that that leads into the next question. Really, in in your space, the the what are the three main challenges that you're seeing that advisors 
that you're really kind of helping them overcome with regards to this idea of technology and marketing on, on that side? Yeah, I mean, one of the number one things that, that I always get asked is business development, marketing, prospecting. How mm-hmm. can we make that more efficient? How can we get more people in the door? How can I see more people? How can I grow the business, right? It's the very leading edge. It's the tip of the spear for business growth is the business development. Um, how can I scale that beyond what I'm capable of doing as a, as a single person? The next is really refining and defining business process mm-hmm. and leveraging technology to, to automate those processes that are redundant and sort of a, a maybe high time consuming, but a low value uh, that we typically throw a body at. Mm-hmm. And, but a lot of that is, is really introspective. We have to know what those processes are first before we can leverage technology to automate them. Um, and then the last is really going back to that, that uh, sort of uh, eating healthy and, and going to the gym. It's, it's the focus. It's the organization. It's staying on task. And that's mm-hmm. one of the biggest things that I do is make sure that some shiny object or some other project doesn't derail what we're trying to do. And that's really just goal and, and project management at that point. Yeah, you're a project manager. And I think that going on that second point of identifying kind of what it is that you need what, what what types of processes do you walk your clients through when when they come to you and you, you go through that kind of planning phase? How can they help? How can you help them think through that you know identification process? Sure, um, you know one of the first things I ask is walk me through your prospect to client to on client onboarding experience, beginning to end as as any normal client coming through the door would, right? Mm-hmm. So that gives me a very forward-facing, front-facing experience, okay, because that's really low-hanging fruit. Client onboarding, one of the easiest things to, to begin automating, mm-hmm. and one of the things that is probably the least likely to give be given any thought. Typically, the onboarding falls on the advisor, the relationship manager, maybe a client service uh, person, but that's about it, and it's reactive, not proactive. Mm-hmm. Um, so that limits client experience a little bit, and then you're also not creating a consistent client experience across the board from which you can then benchmark and grow and things of that nature. So that's the first thing I'll do. And then we'll move into the internal business processes, and, and that can become a little more uh, granular and a little more difficult to define because there may be a compliance or IT or marketing or you know any number of, of departments that have their own processes, and we really have to dive into those. But after we spent some time together, if we can take a big look, a holistic look, really, mm-hmm. think about it, of the firm and say, okay, here are the efficiencies among departments, within departments, then we can build automations yeah. there. You know, and I, I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go off track a little bit here for a second. So I'm going to apologize, but it, because you bring up something that's near and dear to my heart with regards to automation and, and especially the onboarding process, uh, the onboarding process always falls and they, I agree hundred percent that they're, everybody's always reactive, right? Mm-hmm. The client calls in and is like, where's my status of my account? And you're like, oh shoot, let me go check. Well, it's pending or whatever. Oh, I need to go check in. There's a, there's an issue. How are you, how are firms that, that you see now automating that process? Well, it's the first thing you have to identify are what are the the friction points, the pain points that most frequently come up. And nine times out of 10, the easiest way to identify those, I tell everyone I work with, go look at your outbox. 
go look at your outbox because whatever you're sending out means you're getting a request in. Mm-hmm. And let's start bubbling up common topics and then set those expectations up front with the client. Hey, here's what this is going to look like. Mm-hmm. You know, every single step is going to be here. If this doesn't happen in this time frame, we'll reach out. Mm-hmm. And that way you set those expectations with the client on the front end. And then you know you have internal processes and task management processes for your your team to make sure that these benchmarks are hit. And I mean, just using your your HubSpot example, um, you know that's then an area where you can have HubSpot help answer those questions for you because you have a commonly asked questions or frequently asked questions section, sure. and, and so yep. you're able to kind of create that automation. And that's where you then now take the tools and you make them efficiency you know efficiencies within your practice within your firm, right? Which is a great thing. Sorry, right, let's let, let's switch gears just for a second. Um, you've I, I, your experience behind CRMs, and I, and I and if I recall, I believe I think you helped lead the charge of implementing Salesforce. At SIG uh, FD, and you can remind me if I'm correct. Eric, correct me. Yeah, I would say I, I led the charge. Of, I was I was part, a part of, of it. Yeah, I came in towards the the go live date. Yep. And so what what are what were the challenges that that were experienced when you implement? Because Salesforce is a big technology to implement, mm-hmm. and I know that you see this with other firms. And so you have both hands on by being a part of the firm and then being part of the process when you're consulting with these companies. What is the challenge uh, of getting? these technologies implemented and adopted. Why are people hesitant to change, right, inside the practice to get the adoption? And then two, how, why is it so difficult for these firms to turn around the implementation of these technologies? Well, the, the implementation part, again, it requires that introspective look at your in, your internal business processes. And some firms are better than others at having those clearly defined. Mm-hmm. Uh, Signature was one of those that had if they didn't already have it defined, they were willing to take the look and define it and process mm-hmm. map it. There was a huge giant whiteboard, uh, I remember when I first started, that had every process imaginable, either currently implemented or you know future uh, desire to be implemented, that was on a single board that everyone was working off of to move the implementation forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was that was a really great example, but even that implementation had its issues. Mm-hmm. Um, Either the consultants weren't able to deliver what they wanted or they didn't understand, and so things got delivered incorrectly. Uh, Timelines were met, timelines were missed. Uh, And then, of course, you roll out, and it's not perfect, and so adoption becomes an issue because Mm -hmm. it's not easier than what someone's currently doing in their business process, and it feels cumbersome. Right. Okay. And I I was listening, as you were saying that, the – the need of a product manager or project manager is so huge when it comes to implementation because like just thinking about like having that whiteboard of having everything laid out and the ability of you know seeing how everything works and being able to move those post notes all the way across that's something that a CEO of a financial advisory firm or a founder of a financial advisory firm is not going to really that's not their that's not their skill set that's not what they're going to do. And so having a product manager to really help with that, I mean, that's how you can speed up some implementation, just to run that process and direct the roles, be the quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. And whether that comes from um, the team that's helping you, the outside team helping you implement, and they have someone that's willing to do that, or you task someone internally that then owns the project management, mm-hmm. um, probably preferably that you can get someone internally, whether or not they have any project management background, but if they're process-oriented and detail-oriented, and then have good communication up and down the, the chain uh, within the firm, they can move that, uh, that 
project forward easily. Yeah, it's funny how communication can really help uh, teams move forward a little bit quicker. The, with with regards to uh, the advisory world, um, we're always looking to separate ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. The idea of separating yourself by investment management returns is uh, kind of losing its uh, its its flavor, I guess, or it's kind of uh, it's luster. Um, so in your mind, what's the greatest opportunity for advisors to separate themselves from competition? Client experience, customer experience, hands down. Um, as, as consumers are becoming, you know, just more comfortable with technology and interacting with technology, and this is across demographic and age bands, right? Mm-hmm. So the thought of, oh, you know, the retirees, they don't use whatever technology, right? It's completely BS. false. It's right, BS. completely uh, false. I'll say it. Um, so that's where advisors are going to win. Any service industry is going to win on, on client experience. And again, leveraging technology to create a consistent and predictive client experience is absolutely where this industry is going to win or, or ind- independent firms in this industry are going to win because mm-hmm. across the board, people just simply aren't doing it. Right. And when you talk about client experience, I mean, I think so. Can you elaborate a little bit on that, what you mean by client experience? Because I think that sometimes people just think that, well, I have a website and I have an e-money portal. E-money is a great tool. But, and I, so I have those two. So I have a great client experience. Elaborate. Is it more than that or is it not more? Is that yeah, I mean, Again, those are, those are pieces of a technology puzzle that mm-hmm. you're, you're providing for the client. But in today's age, I mean, we're increasingly mobile. So it's not just I have a website, but I have a mobile presence. That doesn't necessarily mean an app, but it means that it's really easy for a client on the go, a prospect on the go, to interact with you and your firm. So mm-hmm. either that's through an app, it's through SMS, it's through social, it's through a, a you know, mobile-optimized website, um, whatever it may be. But what they're really looking for, and this is where you know we can really connect dots on client experience, is what we call omni-channel, right? It's any one of those, depending on what that customer feels like they want to interact with that day. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, all right, I want to use Facebook today, but you know what? I'm going to SMS, text somebody tomorrow, and I need to go onto my e-money portal on my phone you know, the mm-hmm. day after. And then having all of that connect and be a seamless uh, experience is really going to help set apart. And that's yeah. just one of the things. And I, Well, I think that that's such an interesting – the omni-channel pro- idea mentality is such an interesting uh, and, and forward-thinking way – that advisors aren't really thinking about mm-hmm. it, right? Because what your client looks at or uh, talks about on Facebook should be integrated with you know how you approach them with their financial plan or in your notes in your CRM. So mm-hmm. when you talk to them, you have an idea or within your email marketing system so that you're sending them content that relates to them. Mm-hmm. And and that's the way that you know everybody says, well, Amazon's such a great experience. They always know what I want to purchase. Yeah, because they're doing that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so if you want them to have that experience with you, you're going to have to invest in terms of not just go buy all these technologies. You said that the big thing is how do they integrate together and making sure mm-hmm. you have the selection side of the piece really good at the beginning. I love that. Um, so then I guess what are some of the areas? Uh, let's talk about some of the areas within both technology and marketing that advisors are missing out on uh, that other service providers, so that maybe not in the financial services world, but that you just see across the way. What are some of those technologies that uh, companies use to gain better insight in, into their clients and to deliver greater value to their clients uh, that maybe we could start using or others could start using within the financial services world? Sure. I mean, one of the things I would say is 
as you know, uh, this industry just moves forward, the dem- democratization um, and access to large data sets is becoming more common. And, and so that sounds really technical and probably pretty frightening. But basically what that means is that you know, the things that Google and Amazon use, you know, the large data sets they use to, to give you the stuff that you want before you even know you want it mm-hmm. are now becoming available to mid and small size businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we really need to begin leveraging technologies that can access and process and use that for us because we'll never be able to do it on our own, right? We, we've got to leverage this technology so that we can, you know, give the client what they want, when they want it. And what I say what they want is, you know, whether it's experience, it's content, it's uh, delivering on some sort of, uh, of, of brand promise. Um, and we leverage and, and can automate all of those things. So, I mean, whether that's, let's, we'll take HubSpot, right? Okay. So HubSpot does a great job of progressive profiling. So every time someone interacts with, with anything, whether it's your, your app, your website, an email, an SMS that has a little bit of a, a HubSpot script in it, it builds that profile within your HubSpot CRM. Um, and that way, it learns more and more about that customer mm-hmm. and can then begin presenting both you opportunities to communicate in the way that they communicate, but also presenting the client with information that, that based on their behavior mm-hmm. is relevant to them. There's, there's actually a really interesting um, technology that's, that's in our space. It also works a- across other spaces, but it came out of our space. Um, and it's very early stage. But what they're doing, they're taking these large data sets, and then they're applying disk profile mm-hmm. um, sort of segmentation on them. So Break down disk, yeah. Sure. So, so disk is similar to a profile, uh, a personality profile, but it's more about business communication, how people communicate, how they want to be communicated to. So it mm-hmm. breaks it down into, uh, into four areas. So D is dominance, I is influencer, S is steadiness, and then uh, conscientiousness is the the C, so disc, right? So think of your driver as give it to me as short as possible, three bullet points. Mm-hmm. They communicate that way. They want to be communicated that way. So this firm is applying um, you know, this sort of, uh, of communication profile to large data sets that firms supply them about their customers. And then what they're doing is they're able to then spit out a, the, the four buckets that mm-hmm. their clients live in, mm-hmm. but also here's how you should be communicating mm-hmm. and you automate that communication. Mm-hmm. And so now all of a sudden they're seeing 20, 30% lift in, in say, let's just say emails mm-hmm. as a result of, of putting these things in. You know, it's the power of, it's the power of kind of when, right? Like it, it knowing, knowing that type of information allows you to understand when you should communicate with them, how you should communicate with them. We always think about what it is that we should communicate mm-hmm. and how we should communicate it. Um, but just as a, I was, the reason I say that is I was just at a conference where I heard Daniel Pink speak and he just wrote a book on when and the science behind when. Uh, and different people like to be connected with at different times, and that's what these studies can help. I mean, having those types of profiles on your clients is going to really help you. Um, what about on the marketing front? What um, what are some things that advisors are missing out on when it comes to marketing clients, new prospects uh, that other industries are doing so much better than the advisors? Sure. Uh, one, I would say social, um, and, and you know. Social is nothing new at this point. It's it's old hat. 
Um, but the industry's been so fearful of it because of you know the regulatory industry that we live in, and and you know things coming down, SEC and and Finra both having some reservations about how you can use social and things of that nature, which have now loosened up. Um, so that's that's one avenue. I was actually this is a really interesting story. <laughs> I was actually in a in a meeting with a. Um, um, for an SEC mock audit, we hired. Congratulations! A, yes, thank you. Yeah. It, was, it was light. It was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, the lawyer we had hired um, to to do the mock audit literally started looking at our, our social media policies, and he's like, "Why? Why are you even using Facebook? There's no one on Facebook that's looking for an advisor. Like, why would you even bother?" Mm. And so that that's the mentality in the industry, and and that's the ones that are winning are leveraging now Facebook Messenger. I mean, that that is blue ocean at, at the moment in terms mm-hmm. of uh, where trying to build an email list was mm-hmm. one of the things to do. Facebook Messenger uh, is, is another one. And just, but, but the thing is, you have to understand what people expect to experience on this platform. So that's right. the other side is you can't market the same way you did in other mediums on social, you've got to understand what the expectations of your your potential client or your client is in those mediums, mm-hmm. and then then market that way so that it's more natural for them. Right. Uh, great quote from someone that uh, Allison Levine, who's an amazing leadership person, but uh, a motivational speaker and leadership speaker. But she says, uh, "Complacent or fear won't kill you; complacency will." Mm. And that's exactly what's happening in the financial advisor. If you're complacent, that will kill you. Being fearful of things, fearful of how your clients will react to you being on Facebook or friending them on Facebook or whatever it may be, that's okay. But just don't get complacent and just do the things the way that you are. So I think that's great. Um, what? Let's wrap up with this one. I, I wanted to go a little bit into MarTech, but we'll, we'll, we'll hold that for another day. Um, I want to. I want. I want you to. You know, take your crystal ball out and let's look forward five years. Uh, what do you foresee as really being the next wave of innovative technologies uh, that advisors uh, will adopt? All right, will adopt in the coming five years. Um, I'd love to. I, I, five years seems like it's right around the corner, but I think in the financial advisory world, it's forever away. Well, it's forever away. And in, in technology, it's, you know, eons away, right? Yeah. Um, I, I would say probably one thing is, is bots, whether it's chat bots or, or anything else, it's, that's going to, um, that's going to allow advisors and advisory firms to scale their outward facing communication, uh, faster than they possibly could, especially on the very tip of that spear when it's just easy questions and, and things like that. There are technologies that exist today that an advisor could implement to sort of get at least a, a cursory understanding of how that would work for them mm-hmm. and how that could scale their uh, both internal and external communications. Um, and then AI, and I'm not talking about artificial intelligence because I, I quite frankly believe that's a misnomer at this stage. Yeah. It's more or less augmented intelligence at this stage. We're talking about machine learning and, and algorithms that are just simply processing large data sets faster than, than a human brain can. But going back to that idea of a, a democratization of, of information and data and then the systems that can leverage it to improve processes, I think we're going to see those price points come down and systems uh, available that are uh, to somewhat uh, more uh, dummy-proof, uh, yeah. more accessible, more user-friendly to be able to get into that. And that's going to help with, 
uh, predicting purchase intent and communication preferences, going back to that frequency and what Mm -hmm. content and what style and tone. Um, Yeah, and those are probably the things. And I think that that all of those, uh, you know, the price point coming down and, um, you know, the bot technology and the communication side of things, I think that you're right. That, that that is where it's going, and the price point coming down means that also there's going to be more opportunities for advisors to right. find the solutions that fit their firm and their practice the best, and their clients the best. And so you get more op- options, which is going to allow you to now have you're going to need some help to select, but you're now having uh, a better tool set, I guess, to be able to go from. So I think that's great. Um, I mean, we could continue talking on this side forever. We we have to move into. Uh, a section that I threw in here, being as cheesy as I am, I knew that we're in a podcast with financial advisors and financial service professionals listening, uh, that we, we had to have some you know market lingo here. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take the next couple of minutes and go through uh, our game called Buy, Sell. Buy, Sell is basically I'm going to give you a statement and you tell me if you're buying it, meaning that it's true or you're selling it that it's not going to happen. There's no way it's going to happen. That's a false statement. And then give a little bit of background on it. We'll spend a couple minutes on each of these, and we'll go through and see if we can predict the future. I'm going to store these, and then I'm going to come back to them and see if you're right in, in a couple years, um, or as, a, as I talk to people. All right, let's go into our first buy or sell. Uh, so buy or sell. Sorry, I just got choked up there. I, I love this game so much. Uh, buy or sell, advisors get their full money's worth out of the technologies they use today. Uh, keyword there today, sell. Absolutely sell. Okay. Why? Well, um, it goes back to selection, integration, and adoption, right? They don't, from what I've seen, my experience currently, uh, there's no one necessarily leading that process internally, uh, and it gets kicked down to the wayside. People are too busy working um, in the business, not on the business. Mm-hmm. So as of right now, absolutely not. Overspend. Absolute sell. So we got one sell. So buy or sell, advisor-client relationships will look different five years from now. Uh, 100% buy. All right. Just technology adoption, consumers becoming more comfortable and, and expecting more out of their interaction with individuals and brands absolutely will change how but not why the relationship exists. You've got the Jim Cramer conviction on these first two, so I hope we can continue that. I mean, you are on the one side or the other with these. Uh, Buy or sell, advisors should use Facebook as a way to communicate and market to existing clients. Buy. Wow, okay, explain. There are two billion plus people on Facebook. That's a few. That's That's a a couple. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Odds are your clients are on Facebook. Yeah. Leverage it. I agree, I love that one. Uh, Last one, buy or sell, from your experiences, greater than 50% of financial advisors automate their workflows effectively. Uh, Again, today, sell. And why is that why right now? today. Sure. And then why is it going to be better if it is in the future? Sure, sure. I, I think in the future, it'll be better because, um, quite frankly, we'll, we'll have some advisors that, that simply won't be in business five years from now because Fair. they haven't automated. Um, and then we'll have some that have outpaced significantly because they are automating today. But as of right now, 
Uh, I, I would say a lot of advisors like to think that they're automating a lot of work, workflows, but going to that point of effectively, it's just not happening yet. Yeah, they're just do. They say they have it, so they think that they're they're accomplishing it, but they're just not doing. They're not there yet. They're not doing it the right way. Buy sell is in the books uh, yet again. Uh, and there was some conviction there. It was the Kramer buy sell, uh, Mad Money edition, right there. Um, so we're going to get to the closing thoughts. This is uh, where we each get to have kind of our own uh, second of uh, fame and, and close out. And so I'm going to give you 90 seconds or less. It depends. If you go over 90, then someone's going to come wheel you out <laughs> of the studio. Um, but with this 90 seconds, the question I want to ask you is this. What is one thing you can tell financial advisors that they can implement today and start making forward progress with regards to marketing, automation, technology usage? One thing is going to be, it's a a mindset uh, shift. Believe that this will absolutely positively affect the bottom line of your company. It'll give you more time and freedom to do the things that you love, more time and freedom to help uh, more clients, and it will absolutely increase your bottom line uh, if you adopt today. Mm-hmm. But if you wait five years from now to begin doing this, you've already lost. Yeah, it's a rat race, and you're going to continue the exponential growth of technology is going to continue to go. I love that. And that shows the ROI. Everybody wants to know the ROI of marketing and technology. You can see it if you can continue to increase your bottom line by being more efficient internally. So I'll go into my closing thought. As our industry continues to go through an innovation wave, which will last for quite some time, I continue to go back to one quote. Data and technology are important, but people skills are still paramount. The relationship part of our business will not go away. We're not talking about, we are, we are talking about people's money. That's right. We are. Their t- retirement, their kids' college, and ultimately, a piece of their legacy to their future generations. With money comes emotions, and we will need a human to be there to manage those emotions. But this doesn't mean that as an industry, we shouldn't adopt new technologies or new innovations. Too often, as advisors, our focus on the relationship clouds our vision for where this industry is really going. It slows our ability to, uh, and desire to innovate it change and progress our firms forward with new technologies and processes. Investing time and money into innovations not only allows us to deliver a greater client experience and value to our end clients, but it makes us better operationally, administratively, and ultimately more focused on building strong relationships. Getting the right technology and implementing it to get the most bang for your buck, it does take time. That's what scares us. But ultimately, this initial investment of time pays exponential dividends on the back end. And isn't that the business we are in, making investments that provide exponential returns? I'll leave it there. Thank you, Nathan, so much for your time, taking the time. Thank you, listeners, for listening in to this episode of Bridging the Gap. We always appreciate it, and we hope to have Nathan back and all of you listeners back sometime soon.